Digital Hospitality. I am your host, Sean Walchef. This is a Cali BBQ Media production. Today is an incredible day because we have a barbecue family member, somebody that is out of Austin that is making big moves in the new barbecue space. Um, Evan Leroy from Leroy and Lewis Barbecue. Welcome to Digital Hospitality, my man. Hey, thanks for having me. I, uh, I'm always fascinated by the barbecue that comes out of Austin, Texas. As somebody that, uh, you know, we've made our name out here in, in San Diego, the, the most untraditional place to be cooking barbecue. Um, we always love the barbecue stories, especially somebody like you. You guys have been cutting edge. You've been making moves. Um, so many accolades for a young company that is just getting ready to do some incredible things. So welcome to the show. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm totally excited to, to have a conversation today. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's exciting to be on here, even though, you know, we're dealing with some crazy stuff in the world right now. I think a lot of times I just kind of focus on the work and dive into it and try to escape that way. And, you know, it just so happens that I really like doing what I what I do. So, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, we're recording this podcast on June 2nd and um, it's a, it's a it's a blackout day, blackout Tuesday um, for George Floyd. It's been it's been just 2020 has been kind of just almost unbelievable with the coronavirus, the way that it's affected full service restaurants, um, barbecue business, retail business, hospitality yeah. business. And um, I know you guys are feeling the effects in Austin. I know our barbecue family, yeah, we're fortunate. We have people all over the world um, that we've met through barbecue, um, through digital marketing, through digital media, through this podcast. And, um, you know, we share stories and that, that's the crazy thing. It's, you know, it's the human connection. It's the human side of, we all want what's best. You know, you told me just right. before we started the podcast that you have, you have a young one. Um, you have a daughter, is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So you have, you yeah, have like a year, 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 daughter. So you have a growing family. My daughter, um, it's her going to be her first birthday tomorrow. And, you know, at some point I'm going to need to tell her, you know, what happened in 2020, um, you know, when she was one years old. And I, I really don't even know how that story is going to go because uh, we still have so much more to get through. Yeah. Uh, but one, yeah. Of the, one of the cool things um, about the podcast is it allows me to meet other people that um, that I admire. Um, Stover who's our producer for Digital Hospitality. Um, he he became friends with you when he was living down in Austin doing the best barbecue show. Um, he had told me actually way back then um, about the incredible food that you guys were cooking and about the incredible hospitality that you were bringing. Can you tell us a little bit about your concept and um, kind of how this this brand came to be? Um, yeah, I met Stover a couple years ago. He was uh, interviewing us in the... Uh, in the coffee shop beer garden here at Cosmic with Yoni, like, you know, before Cosmic was even open, they were out here when we just had like a little picnic table set up and everything. We've come a long way since then, but obviously, uh, you know, we're still a food truck. We're still growing. Uh, I'm still, you know, trying to find the right brick and mortar space. And in the wake of all this kind of COVID craziness, we're also trying to just increase our online presence. Uh, I kind of rebuilt our website. I started a podcast. We started this video series um, where we're releasing videos every week, just instructional barbecue videos on a Patreon. And we have about 80 patrons right now. Um, and really just trying to push all this kind of content uh, either online or, you know, in traditional media and trying to 
just trying to get our name out there, trying to use the marketing tool, but also eventually kind of build up enough, you know, library of stuff to where we can kind of do something else with it and just get better at telling our own story, right? A lot of times, you know, barbecue people are chefs, you know, there's this idea of just like opening and waiting for somebody to come discover you or waiting for, you know, a writer to walk in the door. And that's not really how it works anymore. You know, my wife is in the public relations uh, business and she's helped us out with, you know, relations with writers and everything since the very beginning, since way back when I was at Friedman's. And that's been indispensable, but it's also taught me about, you know, kind of crap our own story and being able to show people you know what we want to show them uh, through just through, through our own ways right through our own words and through our own images yeah I think you know I saw that you guys started a podcast and I'm so so happy that you did because just for us starting a podcast has given us the opportunity not just to talk about the things that we've done wrong in our business the failures that we've had on um, the successes but it's really allowed us to share the story of our village and other people that we admire, um, then yeah. less about us and more about what's what what keeps us curious, what makes us want to learn more, what makes us want to improve. And it's not always. It sometimes it's in the barbecue space, sometimes it's in the hospitality space, sometimes it's in marketing, sometimes it's in media. But there's so many different things that are happening now in 2020 that gives a small business owner the opportunity to share their story. I mean, you have 80 Patreon members that are subscribing every month to your content because they care enough. They know how much you love your craft of barbecue that they want to learn yep. it as well. And I think that's yeah. one of the cool things that we've learned, you know, in our barbecue journey as a barbecue, we opened in 2008 and for 12 years, I mean, we've, we've, we grow our business. Like we cook our barbecue, it's low and slow. You know, we, we have, we have big dreams of what we want to do and how we want to scale. But ultimately at the end of the day, it's kind of like what you said is when we look back, it's like, Holy shit, I can't believe how far we've come in 12 years. But then yeah. you all look back and you're like, well, shouldn't we have 10 restaurants? Well, no, not really. We are exactly where we're supposed to be. And I think that's, that's important for us to, to be, to be happy with that, but also to do what you said. It's like, it, it's uncomfortable, right? You had to be uncomfortable starting a uh, podcast. I, mean, oh, I yeah. listened to your first episode and you said, <laughs> you know, you guys give me patience because I haven't used a computer in so long. Like I've, I've been literally working my ass off at the food truck, cooking barbecue and like literally only using my phone. So give me a little bit of patience. Talk about the, uh, you know, the struggle getting back on and starting to do things that you're not completely comfortable with. Yeah, uh, it's kind of been like a like a cyclical adventure. I, I did, originally went to college to go make films and work on uh, films, but I didn't get in. I went to Florida State to do that. I didn't end up doing that because it's not really what I wanted, but I did end up um, cooking there and starting my food career at some just little like dingy, you know, seafood shack. Um, and really kind of getting a taste of the restaurant industry for a first time. And, you know, flash forward to, you know, 12, 15 years later, now, you know, being a line cook and everything, you know, I would just do emails and everything I needed to on my phone, all the social media on my phone. And so, yeah, I just didn't have a computer. I just wasn't, you know, I wasn't online in that capacity because I didn't need one. I was on my phone the whole time. There wasn't anything that I couldn't access that way. You know, if I needed to print something out, my wife had a computer or something else, you know, 
but yeah so I had to learn WordPress. I had to learn like all these different tools. You know, I have to learn how to edit video, and I'm just like learning all these different things that I feel like uh, people have been doing. Uh, you know, in the past ten years, but just like basically like having to speed it up really quick. So, sure. yeah. Have you had any moments where something that you created, some content that you put out, led to more people than you would think? You know, getting excited about that content. Uh, not necessarily something that we created, but we had a Eater video come out uh, that was about 15 minutes long. It was really well produced and edited. Uh, it came out in like the middle of April, and it uh, it really it has like a million and a half views on on YouTube and really uh, exposed us to a new audience. And uh, it was it was really pretty cool. Uh, that was something that really kind of you know pushed us into a new uh, stratosphere. I can't imagine how busy it would have been if you know we weren't under lockdown at that time. It would have been much busier here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was still, you know, we still got a good amount of people coming, you know, and getting to go food just just from that. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, it's you can't underestimate the different platforms and when you're exposed to a new audience, um, especially somebody that has as much reach as the as Eater does. Uh, yeah. Because those are people that are specifically looking for food content. They're looking for where's the next best place for them to come out and try. Uh, tell me a little bit about the, the evolution of the food truck and, and the team, the team itself that um, you know that you kind of rely on on a daily basis. So we have been, uh, Nathan and Sawyer, who are uh, my wife and I, Lindsay's business partners. We met them through some mutual friends, probably... Um, Probably like 2015 or something. Maybe no, er, earlier than that, like 2012 when we first moved back here. Um, we started meeting with them because we had just mutual friends, and then we were working in different places and just kind of gravitated toward each other and figured out that we had a lot of the same ideals and we're wanting the same things in our lives and businesses and careers. So we teamed up, we decided to open the food truck. We wanted to go for a brick and mortar initially, but we realized over the past, you know, however many years since 20, we realized over the past four years that it's not so easy to find a place where you can cook the barbecue, you can make the beer and you have enough space to, you know, uh, make money off of both of those things. So we started with the food truck. I've always been looking for the right space. You know, for some reason, one or two or three places don't work out or we get the deal together and then, you know, COVID happens. And, uh, you know, here we are thinking that the food truck was only going to be like a two-year kind of thing and we're entered, this is our fourth year now uh, in business. And so... We're trying to, yeah, still obviously continue to look for a brick and mortar and still get that going and off the ground, but also making our business work in a way, you know, where we're not just exchanging food for money. Like, we have really good ideas, and so hopefully we can, you know, make that idea exchange with things like the Patreon and stuff like that, but... Uh, as far as the team goes, there's myself. I do all the cooking. I kind of make all the menu decisions. My wife, Lindsay, does basically public relations and outward-facing communication. Sawyer, my business partner, is basically my day-to-day business partner. I say she does everything except cook the food, you know, making the schedules and, uh, you know, making sure all the money works and keeping us, uh, you know, on budget and, uh, you know, really doing all the legwork on um, – 
putting numbers together for our brick and mortar proposals and things like that. Her husband Nathan is the um, head quality engineer for Austin Beer Works, uh, so he has a full-time job, but he helps out a lot um, with like you know spreadsheets and numbers and uh, just kind of like doing any extra work we need to on the truck. We recently started bottling our barbecue sauce, and he's been heading that up. You know, we make it, and then he bottles it and labels it and puts the shrink, uh, you know, the heat gun on it, and then uh, you know sends everything out and manages all the ordering and the online store. And uh, those are the four owners. We also have Brad Robinson, good old Chud. He uh, basically does our pit building and a bunch of our butchery and is kind of like my right-hand man, my number two guy. Um, and then we have uh, Clayton Cook, who's kind of like Sawyer's, like number two. And he also does some cooking. Um, and he has worked in the industry for a long time. He came to us from Little Deli. But that's basically the main team. And tell me about um, kind of like your mantra. You said that when you guys when you guys met up, you guys had the same ideals, kind of like mm-hmm. we believe. Um, tell me about what are those foundational beliefs that you guys have with with how you cook barbecue, but also how you do business. Well, there's um, I would say they come down to uh, you know an expectation of quality. Uh, but, you know, all four of us really understand that we're capable of making the best of anything that we're making. So really holding each other to that standard and knowing that that, you know, quality above everything, you know, comes first. We are also uh, good at, you know, compromising and kind of, uh, you know, making sure that, um, you know, everybody at the table is, you know, taken care of and that everybody is kind of sharing in this big pie and that everybody's working towards the same goals. Um, You know, a lot of people really are turned off of partnerships because there's there's a lot of, there's some can be greed involved a lot of the times. And, you know, the people who are working the hardest feel like they should be, you know, getting paid the most and taken care of the most. And, you know, we were just really trying to, uh, treat our business partnership like it's a marriage, right? We're in this together. The more I benefit, the more you benefit. You know, it's, you know, we really just try to lift each other up and, uh, you know, do work, do, do the work that we do for the benefit of the entire team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's really important. I think that's something. Uh, I mean, that and obviously like hospitality service. Yeah, tell me about tell me about hospitality and you know more specifically Austin Austin style hospita- hospitality. Yeah, it's pretty laid back here. Um, I mean, people are gonna have to wait in line if they want barbecue. That's just like things that happen. You know, we don't have a very long line, <clears throat> but we try to get people their food as fast as we can. Uh, we don't have like a number, like a flag system or anything. It's just like you order. And we played it and cut it right in front of you, and we did give and we give it to you directly. Then, so, so that, we like that to pre, that pre-COVID or during COVID, you've been doing that. So that okay. was pre-COVID. Are you doing, doing any during online, online ordering now? Are you guys doing any online ordering now for pickup? Yeah. So uh, when COVID happened, we moved the food truck outside the fence and turned it into a drive-through, and we did online pre-orders, call-in orders, and we just were a drive-through, so people could come up and order and get their food the same way. They just didn't have to get out of their car. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also did, yeah, online and call ahead. Um, 
But now we're back inside the fence at Cosmic, and we're back to just cutting it and giving directly to people, whether it's for here or whether it's to go. And if some people don't feel comfortable, they can uh, order it, and we can just kind of hand it to them over the fence. Did you find the online ordering successful or something? I mean, because I guess what we've learned here in San Diego, especially at our restaurant, is, you know, the the e-commerce side of our business, the digital side of our business it's really where all the growth is, um, you yeah. know, trying to understand how do we put out the most quality barbecue in a way that's going to travel well, but that also services the most amount of people. Um, is there any tools that you guys are using um, for your online ordering that have proven something that maybe you'll want to use if you ever do find a brick and mortar that you want to use? Well, we use uh, just Square for our like normal POS and our uh, website. Our online store is connected through Square, mm-hmm. um, and it works well. It works fine. I think the uh, the portion of our uh, business that we're trying to grow right now online is with the content side. We really want to be you know content creators and just having our ideas out there, and that will alone drive people to the food truck right it'll kind of funnel them into this one place um so that's that's kind of our idea how did how did you learn that because a lot of a lot of people they hear about content marketing but they don't understand why writing a blog or writing on medium like you're doing why is that something that where's the roi in writing on medium i guess is is, it would be the question that another business owner might ask i know why it's important but i'd love to hear your a couple things have to come together to make that stuff work, right? We have to have a pretty good online presence to begin with, which we do. Uh, we have to have something unique to say, which we do. Uh, you know, I saw COVID happening and I was like, everybody's just going to be online and on their computers. And that's the way that we need to reach out and connect to people. I've become like a big fan of Barstool Sports in the past year or so. And I've been, you know, listening to all their podcasts and stuff. And just the idea of, uh, you know, people consuming more content now than ever. That's the entire idea behind us kind of doing all this stuff. And so, you know, just pushing forward on all fronts and just like having it flow with video and audio and blogs and Instagram and just really trying to do the best we can as far as you know making our voice be heard and telling our own story and using all these different things like it's definitely not a direct you know you put this time and investment in and you get out this but what it does is raise our profile and that's the entire idea behind PR right and that's what my wife would tell you is that you know you can't just get a direct, you know, dollars to dollars comparison of, you know, put in the work for PR here and put in the money for PR here and then have this many guests come in. What it does is you have somebody advocating for you, two tastemakers, they put you on lists, they get you in festivals, they get, they raise your profile. And then whatever you do with that raised profile is how you bring people in and how you get more money. So we're trying to raise our profile. We're trying to just just get our voice out there and into the entire atmosphere. Yeah. Into the discussion. If you're not top yeah. of mind, if you're not if you're not part of that discussion, then it's somebody's gonna choose somebody else. Yeah, exactly. Are are you comfortable writing or why did you choose to start writing articles on Medium? And I I'd highly suggest we'll put everything we talk about in the show notes. Well, yeah, I was I was looking at Barstool and they're kind of, you know, they do 
blogs, audio, and video, you know, pri- primarily. And that's kind of the model I was thinking of to begin with. And plus, I have a writing degree. That's what I graduated from Florida State with. That's what I wanted to do initially, was be a food writer. Um, that's why I went to New York. That's kind of like, that was the idea. But then it was 2008, and there just weren't any editorial jobs. It turned out, it turned out that I was pretty good at writing. Uh, or sorry, it, it turned out that I was pretty good at cooking, so I just you know, continued <laughs> cooking. Pretty good at cooking, too. <laughs> well, and I realized that at that time I didn't have anything to say with my writing, right? But now, 10 years later, I have, you know, I've cultivated a food point of view and, you know, have enough things that I can say and have enough viewpoints that I feel strongly about that I can put out there and defend. Um, so it's, you know, now it's, there's, there's no time like the present. So, yeah, writing a little bit. I should be doing it more. It's honestly just hard to kind of get back into it. And the fact that I'm the one who's, you know, I'm me and Brad are doing a lot of the video editing, but I'm doing the entire podcast by myself, and that's difficult. And on top of all this stuff, I'm still having to open the food truck four days a week and, you know, prep and plan everything and keep in communication and be a boss and be a dad and do all these things and work on my golf game. And you know, <laughs> How's your golf game? <laughs> it's, it's bad. Didn't you hear all the list of stuff I have to do before I go play golf? It's bad. Yeah, it's bad. It's not good. <laughs> Yeah, with all the podcasting, writing, and being a dad and running the food truck, yeah, I, 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 I totally get it, man. It's something that we all know that there's things that we have to do and we have to lean into our strengths. We also have to be willing to compensate for our weaknesses by asking for help, by adding people to the team that can help you know, fulfill some of those weaknesses. Yeah, um, for sure. I'd, I'd love to hear just kind of your overall take on how the restaurants reopening during COVID, uh, kind of in Austin specifically, because I, I have a sense for what's happening here in San Diego. But every every city is so different. So how do you see it? How do you see it right now? And how do you see it playing out? You know, in the next couple weeks uh, to a month. Well, um, I mean, the fact that we don't have a plan means that the plan is herd immunity, right? There's no testing, tracing program. There's no plan in place. So the plan, the default plan is herd immunity. Uh, so people going out and, you know, like gathering in, you know, not large groups, but like gathering and going out and going about their lives, like that's the way to do that. You know, you, uh, we also need to run businesses. We need to, you know, we can't just literally lock ourselves away forever. Um, you know, we are seeing right now how angry and upset, you know, that, you know, that kind of adds to all the other civil unrest that's going on. Um, I mean, in Austin, you have people who are going out and who are just here and ordering without masks and just hanging out. And then you also have people who, you know, still are very, very afraid to go out and are afraid of catching and passing on the virus. And they're honestly both valid viewpoints. And I think the only way we're gonna get out of this is to have you know, some of the people going out and some of the people staying in. So by doing whatever they wanna do, you know, they're, out, they're already kind of doing what needs to be done. Because the people who are going out are serving as that test group, and the people who are staying in are kind of you know, serving as like the control and making sure it doesn't just get out of hand. How, how do you think, like, the businesses that have been reopening for dine-in, um, how have they been doing? Have they, you know, do you have, do you have any friends that, are, that own restaurants that have given you any insight? And, uh, you know, are people, are staff excited to be back? I mean, are people, 
Are they running high labor cost? They're okay with I, the labor cost because of the PPP money that they've gotten? Well, I'm, I'm not quite sure. If people are reopening their dining rooms right now, then I don't think they would really want the PPP or would even get the PPP because they would have already let their staff go. And then if they brought them back, uh, you know, they would have to pay that loan back. So the PPP wouldn't, you know, that's kind of the problem with it. It was good for us because we have a small team. We were able to keep our staff on. We were able to pivot our business. But for, you know, huge restaurants that have a huge service staff, you know, they have to let everybody go. And the only way to not pay back your PPP is if you don't let anybody go. So it was kind of pointless for a lot of people. Luckily, it worked for us. But um, I haven't really just, like, talked to that many people who opened their dining yet. Mm-hmm. Most of my experience has been here at Cosmic. And people who are inside and wearing masks are very respectful. But as soon as they come out here and there's not anybody watching them, um, you know, they don't really care that much. We have signs up to say wear a mask when you're ordering. But they don't do that um, at our food truck. Um I haven't really gone. I've gone to one other outdoor bar, and it was like, you know, you order outdoors, and I mean, everybody's wearing masks and stuff, except when they sit down at the table. I haven't been inside. I haven't dined inside anywhere yet. Um, I went and, like, picked up a sandwich, you know, the other day where I had to go in and pick it up, but that's pretty much it. It's been interesting. My wife and I, we went to a BJ's here locally for the first time with my daughter just yesterday for lunch. And, you know, they had socially distanced tables. They had a lot of payroll on, which, you know, they had paperless contactless menus. So it was a QR code that went to a menu, which made sense. Um, But it's just it's weird having we've always said that the coronavirus has it, it it's attacked the heart of hospitality i mean it's literally yeah. the antithesis of hospitality everything that we love and that we care about as a full service restaurant and bar i mean we built our bar to be full on nfl sunday we built our far our bar to be full on fight night like the last thing we want is to tell people you can't sit close to each other like we we, we joke that we're in the furniture moving business because yeah. that's what we every shift we feel like that's all we're doing how many people are in your party 15 okay great we're moving a table like moving a table bringing chairs it's weird to be in a place where you have a server that is responsible for typically let's call it eight tables and then telling them they have three tables um, yeah i mean i think we'll eventually get back there it's just a matter of time you know, none of this stuff is going to be permanent. It'll be very different, I think, uh, down down the line. Um, but I think we will eventually get back to a, pl- a point where we're all, you know, watching the big game in a packed bar and there's pitchers of beer and there's wings and people are yelling. Like, yeah, I, I, I want to be back in that situation. I think yeah. people would want to be back there. It's going to happen again. It's just a matter of making people feel safe and, you know, part of that is our responsibility to show you know what we're doing to bring people out um you know and part of that is uh the government's responsibility to kind of like roll out testing and you know making sure that people feel safe to go outside in general and not just go to our place of business i don't see that second one happening anytime soon yeah no i i agree and i i mean yeah people 
we're, we're humans, humans by nature. We want to gather. I mean, that's, that's the reason we got into this business. It's the reason why we love doing what we're doing is we're certainly not doing it to serve two people, <laughs> you know, a day. Yeah. Um, I'd love, I'd love to hear your perspective on when somebody comes and they talk to you about opening a barbecue business, you know, because there's so many people that love the craft of barbecue. They, they might not like what they're doing for work and they're like, Oh, you know, maybe I can start a catering business or maybe I can start a food truck. What would your advice be to them? Oh man. man. Some, so many different things to say. Uh, I would say the first thing is make sure you love it. Make sure you can really work your ass off. You know, if you have an end goal, that's even better, right? If you're working toward a goal, not just the goal is I cook barbecue every day. Like what is your goal goal, right? What step, what real steps can you take to get there? Um, you know, you got to make sure the money's right. You got to make sure that you have people you can rely on. And you've got to, I think, especially in the barbecue space right now, uh, you have to make sure that you have a, have a, a point of view. Right, just another, especially in Texas or in Austin, like what is what is just another barbecue restaurant, right? Like why would you just open up another like brisket and ribs and like potato salad joint? I get it in places that don't have that. Like especially like, you know, if you're trying to, oh, if I'm trying to bring Texas barbecue to San Diego or to, you know, wherever, Central Coast, you know, Arizona and Phoenix and, you know, any number of communities, you know, have their own thing. But I also think it's cool to add in whatever local flair that is right if you even if you don't have a a barbecue tradition there's some sort of local food tradition that can be melded in with like live fire cooking and you know that's that's what i would uh suggest to people you know make sure you love it make sure the money's right and make sure you have like a unique point of view what uh what makes your barbecue unique what's up sorry i could What, what makes your barbecue unique what makes you guys stand out in austin well, everything is everything we do is informed by sourcing. We source all of our meat locally, and that's the most important thing to me. You know, just years of opening boxes of brisket and boxes of ribs and not knowing where they come from and just calculating the amount of like beef and pork and, you know, cow and pig lives that are just like churning through this place on a daily basis just made me think about where the rest of the animal was going, you know, what we are doing to uh, you know, utilize everything and what we're doing to think about where our food was coming from. So that's what everything starts with here is sourcing. Sourcing, you know, local, responsible, sustainable, whole pigs, um, and kind of trying to use other different beef cuts that people, you know, might overlook, like the cheeks or tongue. Um, and then also trying to use every little bit of box beef that we do get. You know, we have brisket on the menu on the weekend but we're also grinding the scraps into burgers and rendering the fat for our uh, beef cheek comfy and just kind of you know really really taking uh, taking that idea of using everything and you know really practicing what we preach that's great um, so tell, us, tell me tell me a little bit about the actual food truck can you uh, for those that are watching on YouTube um, you're actually in the food truck you guys are closed today can you give us a, a quick little 
little tour yeah. of uh, how yeah. where the magic I, happens. I turned the AC off for audio purposes because <laughs> so did I. <laughs> That's why I'm sweating too. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sweating, but yeah, hold on. Let me give you a little walk around here. The food truck. Uh, so this is the this is the kind of driver's end. We've got uh, some warmers over here. That's our knife block. That's our old license plate. This is the only little tiny plancha that we toast buns on. Mm-hmm. We've got an Alta Sham here. We've got our uh, little um, ability principles. Yes. We've got our sticker wall up here. Nice. We've got this other warmer. Trash can. Our sink set up here. We got the tiny little fridge. It's incredible the amount of it, that you do out of such a small space. Yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah, we <laughs> like quite a lot out of a tiny little area. So what? Um, what? Are, what are the? I know the plants have been turned on their turned upside down with COVID, but I think you know from an outside perspective, somebody that's looking at it and someone that's run a full service restaurant for 12 years, I think it, it couldn't have been a bigger blessing than you guys not getting tied into a space um, before COVID because like we said, you know, digital hospitality, the what we've learned through selling things online, um, what our next location is gonna look like will be a lot different than our current location, I can tell you that. Yeah. So what, uh, what, what, what kind of ideas have you and your partners been, been talking about now that, um, I mean, obviously there's no rush right now to go and get into a new space, but there's going to be a lot of deals that will be out there because unfortunately there are businesses that will go under. Um, they won't be able to survive COVID. They're not going to be able to pivot, um, yeah. which means that there's going to be great opportunities for people that are getting into the business. What, what are you guys going to look for? Well, uh, we still need those kind of very basic things, right? A place to, for the smokers to go, a place to brew the beer, and enough space to serve those people. We would eventually like to have events there. There will be events back again, right? People will have have to get married again with hundreds of people. People will have to go to you know concerts again. Like that stuff is going to happen again. Um, so all those things, you know, being being able to do all those things would be nice. As far as uh, I mean, we're gonna have to be able to do to go business and like you know like kind of not necessarily meal kits, but like having just making it really easy for people to pick up food to go or call food in. You know, this kind of idea that you don't have to just go and wait in line somewhere. I think that is gonna be one of the things that permeates uh, this entire. You know that goes through the crisis is like, well, you know, during COVID, I could just call and pick up. You know, why can't I do that now? So they'll, I think that's something that's going to stick around um, somewhere for obviously some kind of curbside thing. But um, mostly, I think you know, this next phase of our business is this online. You know, for me, I think is this online uh, kind of push, right? We're just kind of trying to build this content library. I'm trying to you know uh encourage our the rest of our staff to you know be creators in themselves um yeah so just trying to bring you know trying to really cultivate that voice and do something new and different on on online yeah i think um you know we have howard solomon who we've had on the podcast him and his wife um he's come out and talked to me and eric my general manager you know just kind of help us get 
our online orders dialed in um, in order for us to get food out of the kitchen. I mean, the amount of volume that we've done on Easter and Mother's Day surpassed any day that we've ever done with dine-in. So we did more volume in four hours and three hours on those two days than we did in 12 hours operating as a full-service restaurant. So that comes with a lot of logistical challenges with online ordering. Um, Yeah. One of the things he told us when he came out to meet with us was, you know, he's done consulting with a lot of restaurant groups in the past. And, you know, one of the, the operators that he worked with, he said he always argued that it was great to have a line because then people knew that, oh, hey, there's a high demand because people, you know, there's a high demand for that yeah. business because there's a line. So obviously that that's a good marketing thing. His argument was. Well, imagine how many people aren't coming to the business because of the line. Imagine how much revenue you're losing because of the line. And what if you could service all those people that were in the line, but also service all the people that never came in to begin with? And I think that's that's really the answer to the next wave of how do you make a restaurant more profitable than it's been in the past? And you do that by servicing through creative methods like delivery, like drive-through, like online sales, and like like shipping barbecue. 17th Street Barbecue, Amy Mills, Mike Mills, they, they haven't been open for full-service dining, but I ordered our Easter ham from them, smoked nice. ham, absolutely incredible biscuits. They delivered, came right to my door. My wife and I, we had an incredible meal, and those are the things that we all have to start looking into. Um, yeah. I applaud you for doing the Patreon thing. I think that's something that's... It is groundbreaking because most people think that those barbecue secrets are things that you're like, well, why, why would Evan, why would Evan be sharing all his secrets about how to, how to build his business? Then somebody can just go and copy it. Well, go, go right ahead. Go fucking ahead. Yeah. Part of this. <laughs> yeah. That was a concern of Sawyer in the very beginning. She was like, what, uh, what happens when we run out of menu items to shoot and videos to shoot? And I just told her that uh, they were just like Snoop Dogg, man. We keep coming up with funky <laughs> shit like every single day. There you go. That there you go. The uh, the the Snoop Dogg of Austin. I fucking love it. Well, um, how how can people find you? What what are you guys most active on on uh, Instagram and Twitter? Yeah, we're most active on Instagram at Leroy and Lewis on both Instagram and Twitter. I am at Evan Leroy BBQ on Instagram and at Evan Leroy on Twitter. Uh, we have a new website that I built, uh, Leroy and Lewis BBQ.com. There you can go to our entire uh, online store through the order online button and you can get merchandise shipped to you, barbecue sauce. You can order online for the next day. You can view our full menu. Uh, you can take a look at our Patreon. It's linked through there and uh, just a little kind of blurb about our uh, new school barbecue you class which we'll eventually get back into kind of once people can comfortably travel again and uh yeah we're just yeah just putting out videos on the patreon every week i'm trying to put out blogs as much as i can and feel like i have something to say <laughs> trying to put out a new podcast every week the new school barbecue podcast is on apple uh podcasts and it's on soundcloud well, I, uh, I really appreciate your time, man. It's it's refreshing to see, you know, somebody that's in the barbecue space, the hospitality space, doing the the things that you need to do because these are the sustainable practices that are going to put you above so many other people moving forward. And I'm um, I'm really uh, really excited, and I appreciate your time today, man. Thank you very much. Thank you. Good talking to you. You got it, brother. <laughs>